Hey, party people. Thanks for downloading our podcast. We experimented with a little bit different of an audio setup this time, so it might sound a little uh, different at times, but it's all there content-wise. All right, enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast of the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? How's it going, man? Pretty good. Uh, That was a long episode. It was a long episode, and we do have to say that um, neither one of us is drinking anything today because we are recording during our lunch hour the next day. That's what happens when you have an episode that runs an hour and 40 minutes long, and Chris and I live in different time zones. So things get a little uh, screwed up there. But, you know, um, this kind of uh, channels our focus a little bit so we can get down to business and really break down episode two of American Horror Story Hotel, which was uh, called Shoots and Letters. Um, I guess going into that, uh, let's begin by the first thing I wanted to ask you is how do you think that, that um, the title of this episode applies in terms of what we saw last night? Right. Clearly, I think it uh, deals a lot with um, uh, literally with the, the maze of what the construction of Hotel Cortez is. I mean, there's chutes and ladders. There's, there's uh, you know, they, they allude to or they directly talk about. Uh, the creation of the of the hotel and how it was meant to be this maze with no uh, hallways with no exits and and shoots that you could send dead bodies down uh, all all sorts of crazy stuff like that but then also I think we're talking uh, a little more um, figuratively when we when we deal with the shoots and ladders of people's lives uh, and their addictions perhaps you know you, you you could shoot down to the bottom and you can rise up to the top. Uh, and a lot of the people in the hotel, the residents of the hotel, clearly have had both in their lives. What do you think? I think that's those are excellent points, and I would also say this is maybe a little bit more of an obscure interpretation, but when I think of shoots and ladders, I also think of the the game. Yes, you know? and yes. It makes me think of how um, Evan Peters' character, uh, John March, no, March, yeah, James March, James March, um, just the way that he treated murder essentially like a game, you know. He's just like a real hardcore sociopath. Um, so that's kind of the natural thoughts that this, this episode title evokes. But um, before we carry on, I do want to say um, we got so many great comments and emails uh, via Facebook and over email over the past week based on our first two episodes. So we uh, definitely appreciate you guys sending those in. And we try to respond to everybody. So if we didn't, we sincerely apologize. But um, we'll definitely, uh, if it fits in, we'll bring up your comments during the ep- or during our episode here. And also... Um, we would just like to encourage you to continue to email us with questions and comments at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com and also on our uh, Facebook page at thisamericanhorrorstory.com uh, slash thisamericanhorrorstory. So, so the next thing I want to ask you about is mm-hmm. kind of the opening scene with Hypodermic Sally stuffing Gabriel into the bed. Um, we didn't really, you know, everything else was kind of tied together, and this was a little bit standalone. Um what was going on here? I agree. So we see, I think, like some of his fingers and then like his face poking out, uh, mm-hmm. and she she basically sews him, pushes him under, and and sews him into the into the uh, bed. What did she say again? I forgot what she said to him. She says to him, "It's your own damn fault. You thought you could cheat death." Right, and I think that is the um, kind of uh, one of the themes that we have for the whole episode is cheat trying to cheat death. 
I think that's an excellent point. Obviously, this harkens back to last episode, the kind of beginning of it when the two Swedish girls were in the bedroom and that. Yes. The bed. And, um, you know, it makes me think that these are obviously we're just speculating at this point in time, but um, with her saying that, it makes you think that maybe she drugged him up or in some way, um, you know, he thought. I, maybe she's referring directly to his drug taking when she says he was trying to cheat death. I'm not entirely sure specifically, but it seems like he's kind of sedated to some point where like he's going to go into some like weird hibernation in the bed until he like starts to decompose like the person that was there before that we saw already and then like bursts out, I, I guess, to scare the shit out of people. We don't really know what the point is yet. A lot of a lot of um, Sally's storyline, she kind of floats around and dips into other people's narratives uh, we know a little bit about her, but she really doesn't have her own uh, arc just yet. Uh, and it, Lord knows she for sure will. I mean, it's Sarah Paulson, and she's hands down one of the best uh, actors and and uh, characters so far in this season. And I mean, I know we're only episode two, but uh, but she's she's going to become a bigger player for sure. Absolutely, I'd say that so far, her and Kathy Bates seem to kind of be the connective tissue that maybe Jessica Lang was in the past. Right, which makes sense. So you know, they're obviously experienced a American Horror Story veterans and also such talented actresses. So obviously, you know, this kind of segues into the scene in which the little vampire children are leeching off of the Swedish girl um, downstairs until she dies. Now, um, I wanted to comment that we had a great uh, email from our friend Alex who uh, commented that last week when um, uh, Iris was feeding the Swedish girls or pumping into them, foods that were high in iron and B12, that actually stimulates blood flow. So it only makes sense that kind of someone was going to end up feeding off of them. And uh, so it seems, this is very interesting, because it's like, the kids feed off of, you know, these Swedish girls, um, and then eventually the Countess feeds off of the kids. So it's like, they are almost like, um, like filters for the blood that comes from other people. And so, yeah, so it's kind of maybe because the kids are young, and so she's like, by going through them, she gets, you know, a certain degree of view. I think it's also worth noting that all these kids and, like, also the Swedish girls are, like, white and blonde, like, traditional Nazi pure blood. Um, you know, what you'd expect from, like, kind of propaganda during the Holocaust or something like that. Um, but then, you know, the Swedish girl dies, and they dump her body down into, down the chute. Next to her friend. Is, yeah. Um, so we see a little bit of a confrontation between Donovan and the Countess to kind of get things kicked off. And obviously this ends up playing out later as we establish kind of a love triangle. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think really is the relationship between Donovan and the Countess um, going into this um, as we talk? Because we saw them last week, obviously, and it seemed like they were lovers, kind of, but it's not, right. you know, they seem to don't necessarily have reciprocal feelings. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it sounded like they, they it seemed like they were both on the same page as kind of movers and shakers in this, you know, cultural or cultured scene uh, where they're, they think they're hot shit and they dress very extravagantly and clearly are very into the sexual nature of their relationship. But beyond that, I couldn't really get a good read on if this is like this love for all time um, or if it was just kind of what we saw, which was she brought him back from death after Sally um, killed him. 
with right. uh, by by overdosing because he was a junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I didn't have a good read on their relationship, but um, I was kind of eager to see how it was going to uh, grow or or change, especially with the introduction of this male model. Uh, is that what you were? Uh, did you have any ideas, kind of, um, what their relationship was really about? Well, you're, I think you're absolutely right that it um, it's almost like. He, she say clearly she saved him from from death, and we, he even says that later. She brought him back from the edge of death, and not only did she bring him back, she kind of she's all that at him, you know. He like was this nasty junkie, which he said was specifically to get away from his mother, who must clearly was overbearing. Who chased him um, there, <laughs> right? And became like kind of like this stud. Um, but she it seems kind of like she did that, but she just kind of gets tired of him. But it, I mean, we get the impression. How many years ago did he die? Do we know the exact? I think age? it was the nineties. So he, they've been together for some time. So there must be something specific about um, Tristan that, or maybe something specifically wrong with Donovan all of a sudden, maybe jealousy or something that makes her decide to split with him. But then we do finally uh, enter Tristan Duffy, who is, of course, um, Finn Wittrock, who played Dandy last season, uh, playing a very different character. Um, not quite as demented or maybe just demented in a different way. <laughs> um, he, Like you said, he's a male model. He... Uh, is a pretty intense drug addict. Um, he also looks like Rufio from the movie. <laughs> Hook. <laughs> Hook. Nice yeah, reference. Williams. Some people Google that with the red hair. Rufio. <laughs> um, one of the questions I had is like, <laughs> clearly he was like such a dickhead model. Oh my God. He like makes out with some random chick and then tries to fight with a guy. And does all or tries to make out like, with the dude and then the guy's like, no. And then he, he looks like he's about to stab him. Yeah, like what was the? I don't know why uh, that our. Uh, why would you hire him? Even by yeah. hiring him, even like <laughs> Naomi Campbell, who's in this, who's known for her temper and her kind of diva behavior in the modeling world. You know, you never pull something like that on the runway. That is kind of hilarious and, and almost ironic that she's the one who like Watching makes comments it. about that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even notice that connection. I like it. Um, and of course, he's stricken the minute he sees. Um, the countess who yep. she seems like she's wearing like fake tears or something. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was like silver things that looked like they could be tears coming off her face. I mean, no matter however people think Gaga's doing with her acting, they definitely have her done up pretty, pretty costumey, but kind of in a really fun, uh, uh, dark, whimsical way. Mm. But yeah, he's well, stricken with her or smitten with her too. Well, she seems, she says that she smells rage in him mm-hmm. and it smells like copper, which is also. Blood. I mean, metallic is <laughs> how blood smells. Yeah. So clearly, she, you know, that seems like that's kind of what drives her to him. I have a little beef with, uh, um, with uh, Finn Wittrock playing this male model. That, given he's doing an amazing job. He's a great actor. I really like him. But he's, I looked this up when I was watching this. As someone who knows that industry a bit, he's five foot eight. There's no way there you have a runway model five foot eight walking in a huge show like that unless you're a woman. I mean that's and that's even short for a woman. I think Kate Moss is like five eight and that's and she's one of the shortest models for women out there. And he even when you see him walking with the other male models, he looks like a foot shorter than all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which gave was a little hard for me to suspend uh, disbelief. But that's what happens when we watch like when you and I watch journalism shows or movies. It's you you, you nitpick a little bit. 
I need to just deal check. with that. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't point that out. Suspend your disbelief like this. He's way too short to sure. be doing that in this, to be working. Well, considering he's also like, it's just such a shitty attitude. It just doesn't seem like yeah. he's going. Who would hire Maybe this guy? He's supposed to be edgy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. and I mean, he continues his dickish behavior by breaking into their penthouse to look for coke and subsequently getting into a fight with Donovan, who clearly already can kind of tell that there's going to be a conflict between him and, or like an attraction between him and the Countess. Yep. Um, but he's the one who we first kind of get introduced to uh, James march through because he accidentally takes the trip down to the sixth floor, which sixth floor seven floor, like I thought. it's kind of the um, time portal. Wasn't it seven you know? or was it six? It I was six, six. You're right. It was six because 64. That his office was on. Right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're right. I think. Correct us if we're wrong. I get that feeling immediately because it's like the colors are more subdued. There's the music, like the old music playing in the background. I mean, obviously he takes a bite of the sandwich, which is infested with maggots. Um, you know, it's, this, I, I got a lot of shining vibes from this. Oh, um, totally. Uh, from this episode too. I mean, we'll talk about that with the low story later when he like turns around in, in the shower room. Mm-hmm. But um, he runs into March, obviously, while he continues to look for drugs in this place and finds them. Um, and March tries to convince Tristan to shoot this prostitute. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Um, I don't, also like, he kind of says like, oh, you, you know, drugs suck. Like, let me give you, let me show you a real thrill. Yeah. He basically says that, you know, drugs never did it drugs for me. This is the only adrenaline rush I used to get. Yeah. And initially I think Tristan's kind of d- disgusted by it, which yeah. is kind of funny considering he How so he quickly decides he's cool with killing people at the yeah. end of the episode. <laughs> um, also that uh, March still has his throat wound from when we later learned he slits his own throat. It's kind of like sixth sense almost like mm-hmm. he keeps the wound that kills him. Yep. Um, so we'll, let's see if that's consistent. I'm trying to remember with some of the other characters. If we, like, there's not a bullet wound in the laundress's forehead, you know. That's a good point, too, yeah. So, I don't know, maybe March is different because he's the one who owns the hotel. Um, we'll talk, we can talk about this. Well, I'll, I'll say it for the end. I wanted to ask you impressions about, um, specifically about Evan Peters' character. But uh, we can do that more. It's like a roundup after we talk about him more later. So, you know, Tristan runs out, and then that's kind of when him and the Countess start getting it on, and she turns him into a vampire. And this is kind of when we learn a lot about what kind of vampire it is. It's like they have very specific rules that are different. Yeah. Um, they're, well, it's like they, they she's given him the virus. They call it a virus, yeah, yeah. Um, which is almost, uh, I don't know if you've been watching The Strain at all, but it's kind of a similar, yeah. a little bit of a similar thing to The Strain. Um, which is that other show actually with Corey Stoll? Um, oh, I love him. Is it on FX too? Yeah. Um, where yeah, vampirism is more like a disease, I guess. Um, and well, it's not really a disease though because it's something that they do willingly. And um, she doesn't kill. She, she doesn't really kill him. She feeds um, him her blood. She just has him drink her blood. Yeah. Right? Which is very is true like, blood, also. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and more just like infects him, um, and she kind of gives some. Uh, you know, she's doing some exposition for us here by by laying out the rules. You can never drink blood from the dead. Um, avoid the feeble and the diseased because their blood is like tainted. It seems like um, sun won't kill them. So, but it should be avoided. Which answers some of our questions as to why like she could go out in the sun, but she wears like such long things and only typically goes out at night and stuff. Um, she also says that Tristan reminds her of somebody. 
So well, I, that's I'm sure we'll come back to that because we don't quite have the Countess's full backstory. Although we do know that she was born in 1904, so she's been around for a long time. Um, and I'm, I have a feeling it'll be whoever turned her is the person that she's referring to, which we haven't met yet. And do we know? I mean, well, let's when we go back into um, March's story, I'm curious. I have some questions for you too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we you know after kind of her bonding with Tristan, um, where she kind of gets emotional and almost like uh, we see the first little bit of vulnerability from her when she talks about missing the friends from the seventies and stuff like that. Um, It seems like she kind of, you know, bonds with him and is ready to dump Donovan. And so he's kind of like so surprised by this. Um, She kind of just tells him to pack his stuff and and get the hell out. So that was quick. It was real quick. Um, and he's in love with her, which, I mean, she's kind of his savior, so I guess that makes sense. Uh, but she, like, tries to soften the blow by, like, telling him, you know, heartbreak actually makes us stronger. It was, it's almost like a, it's, not, it's not you, it's me kind of line. Right, yeah, and it's not all this other stuff that makes life or, or things worthwhile. It's heartbreaks, and the bigger the better. It's like, damn. Okay, that's, that's some, like, dark stuff, Countess. And maybe she thinks that he's too... Um, sensitive right now or to like what she wants to like harden him a little bit i guess i mean i guess like he did right before that say like hey like why don't we stay in and watch like house of cards which i thought was a terrible line and that kind of like completely removed me from this like universe of weirdness like what 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 show am i watching yeah why did we throw that in? also this seemed kind of out of character for them to do that but anyway maybe they do do that but yeah maybe on some nights she's like and we're done So he's kind of becoming the frumpy guy who wants to stay at home with his shirt off, and mm-hmm. she wants to go out and go to cool art shows to go hunting, mm-hmm. which is, but uh, which they don't even end up going out. Tristan ends up finding some dude on Grinder, and a uh, super hipster guy with a man bun. It was straight out of Silver Lake, wearing and, every trend possible. Which is interesting because I think we mentioned uh, we mentioned before that that guy from Glee later will be a Silver Lake hipster, so maybe he'll be another guy they find on Grinder, um, Darren Chris from Glee. That's right. But uh, they continue to puncture this guy's throat and drink the shit out of him. Yep. Also, I think it's important to note that like they make um, the drinking of blood and stuff so sexual. sexual. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I think that the Countess says that specifically, like how it was like the most um, sensual moment that she'd had when, and we see the scene where she's like dripping the blood in his mouth, but also she like starts masturbating while he's. Drinking. Like drinking the guy's blood. Yeah. Uh, I have to say that uh, I kind of agree with you, just a side note, that Tristan is, um, I'm enjoying his character way less than I enjoyed Dandy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like such a douchebag. Yeah. He has to make that line about, just because I'm sucking a guy doesn't mean I'm gay. Yeah. I don't know why that line was thrown in there either. It's like, well, you, I didn't see that happen, but also you were just making out with him in the uh, <laughs> in the uh, elevator. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so that was that was stupid. That was too. a weird line. Um, but uh, we had another. This, the same email from Alex made another great um, connection that there's an infamous blood countess um, whose name was um, Countess Bathory of Hungary, who you know centuries ago thought that um, she was rumored to have murdered and bathed in the blood of countless young female servants to preserve her own youth and beauty. So we have another. Countess who does a similar thing. Also, I mean, we can harken this back to Coven when, um, you know, Kathy Bates' character rubbed blood. the blood on her face. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, blood's blood's been a big theme. It's kind of a yeah. It's been an overarching theme between all these 
a lot of different seasons. Um, but this is the first one I guess we've actually seen like vampires, or at least their version of vampires, which also they don't have teeth. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. To... They, yeah, no fangs. They cut. They don't. They don't bite. Mm-hmm. Um, in kind of an interesting image to kick off the other storyline, I kind of connect them together. We see um, Alex, played by Chloe Sevigny, Lowe's wife, is taking blood from a kid, mm-hmm. um, and she goes on a little. And we find out the kid has measles, and she goes on a little bit of an anti-vaxer. Yep. Um, uh, rant a little bit, which which uh, I always appreciate, but it felt really out of place. <laughs> it just did, it just felt like they were just like throwing political commentary yeah. in there for the sake of throwing in political commentary. Yeah. Which you know, if it has like a real role in the plot, maybe it will. But I don't really foresee that being an yeah. issue. Yeah, exactly. If that kid becomes one of the blonde kids or something, maybe. But he's six, so probably not. I don't know. I have no idea. It yeah. seemed really out of place. I just yeah. I, yeah, so that just seemed like, you know, they like to be political, but could have tied that, the writers could have tied that in a little bit better. Or not um, used but, it at all. What'd you say? Or not use it at all. It would have tightened up this really long episode. Seriously. Um, but so we talked about the Countess's kind of what I would consider the Countess's uh, plotline for this episode. Countess and Tristan. So now I want to talk about Lowe's plotline a little bit here. Cool. Um, he is still staying at the Hotel Cortez, and he wakes up in, like, these weird dream sequences. This all felt very David Lynchian kind of to me. Beautifully Although shot. It was also shining, too, but, like, with that blue light and, like, some of the... There was a number of things that felt like a little bit um, Twin Peaks Black Lodge or totally. Blue Velvet or something in here. Yeah, so there was David those... Influence. There were, like, when he was running around uh, looking for Holden, there was, like, those quick zoom-ins uh, from across the the... The hallway or something like that or from another door it was so awesomely shot and i want to point out bradley buker was the director for this episode okay and he's, he's an american a, horror he's been in the past too, yeah right? he's 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 one of the executive producers now and he also you know he's one of the the directors that cycle through every few episodes mm-hmm and Lowe starts having kind of um, visions that we're not really clear if they're dreams or, or what exactly is going on. He kind of glimpses that drill bit dildo monster. And then, um, you know, he goes into the bathroom and we see the two corpses having sex in the shower, which was obviously very the shining. Yep. Which is funny because Scream Queens on Tuesday had a big, obviously, very clear homage to the shining. Oh, my gosh. It made the big um, May scene. So both seasons are really playing off of that this year. It's kind of yeah. Funny. Obviously, they love The Shining. <laughs> I do too, as I've said I do before. Too, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more happy with all this we're getting. I just now with the, well, we have all this blood in the hotel. We just need the blood to fall out of the elevator, and I'll be. Oh my set. gosh! Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, we keep seeing the image of the kid in the hallway at the end, like Danny yeah. or like the twins. Yeah, and then the Holden thing definitely feels a lot like The Shining too. Um, and again, you know, Lowe chases him and he can't track him down and he's not sure if it's a dream or what exactly is going on. He ends up back in the lobby. There's two scenes in this episode where he ends up having like drinks with people who are trying mm-hmm. to like explain how shit is going down. Mm-hmm. This is obviously the first one. It's with Sally. We also learn here that John is a recovering alcoholic, which is something I don't think we knew before, but was maybe kind of hinted at. Right. And um, we also get a hint of background here on Sally, which was that she... Um, Worked with Patti Smith at one point, which is, of course, a famous punk rocker from the 70s. Right. So maybe before she became a big drug addict, she was involved in the music scene somehow. She wrote a song with Patti, and Patti stole it or something. I, f- I forget, but yeah, Patti's a big right. staple of that era. Yeah, so maybe we'll learn a little bit more about you know her background in music. Which she was cool. on Democracy Now! the other day, actually. <laughs> Patti really? Smith, yeah. Anyway. 
Um, Could have been Sally. But, but uh, Sally kind of gives this monologue about how drugs were her way to reach for the light. And she even says climb the ladder, which directly references the title, obviously, of this episode. Um, and she thinks that John is reaching for the same thing. And she's trying to push him to take a drink, basically, to like go back to his indulgences. Um, which is also another shining kind of fear where they're like really trying to get him to take a drink or whatever. Um, but he is able to hold out. Um, and he kind of, the reason is he recounts his last day, his former last day of drinking, which is um, this flag to this multiple homicide where uh, we saw, did you notice that the brains hanging from the ceiling in the background with that guy who shot himself? Oh yeah. It was yeah. like a really gruesome it's detail. gross. Yeah. That was gnarly. Yeah. Very graphic. This whole episode um, was really graphic. This episode was crazy graphic. Um, but, you know, he kind of gets caught up that, you know, basically these kids ended up dying because he thinks about his own kids. And then he goes on a bender, which is ironic that he gets so worried about his own kids and then ends up losing Holden at the beach the next day when he finally shows up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That was that so was it, a really sad story. It was a really sad story. So... Um, I think he says some more like in there, like I can't afford to get lost or something, which let's just say that like, I'm getting the feeling now that him and Alex are pretty shitty parents Yeah. because uh, let's like recount what's happened already. Like he seems so worried about his kids yet. He obviously loses his kid at the uh, beach. Um, they lose their kid on the bus. Yeah. They're like, where she who's he brought her to on. a crime scene last week with yeah. a serial killer. Like, yeah. Only in an American horror story world. <laughs> or when the kid is not needed to uh, um, move the plot line along. Right. Well, ultimately, it makes me end up feeling less sympathy for them because it's like, why don't you guys just be less idiot parents a little bit? I don't really like Chloe. But we have a little bit of a direction here. We see. I don't like her character too much yet either, but we don't know that much. Yeah, about she her. always plays Other kind of the same the same person cool. too. She, she, her, her character in this kind of reminds me of um, uh, the character she played in Big Love as uh, the second mm. wife anyway but she's not really a warm person <laughs> she's an indie darling but she's not a warm person certainly not yet at least yeah uh, we have a couple scenes here where Lo is at work and it's always you know investigating the Ten Commandments killer which I don't know that obviously he hadn't made the connection before that the Ten Commandments killer actually follows the Ten Commandments that's a revelation he has in this episode but um, we do confirm again that this Ten Commandments killer is able to hack into people's texts which is kind of a crazy thing um but we'd also kind of known that before after he did it to drive the guy to um the murder scene um he also gets a package from the hotel cortez that they think is a bomb but i didn't really see what was in the package was it just a statue i was hoping you would be able to it was the it was the oscar it was an oscar like the the oscar statuette that you win for an academy award oh yeah and it was covered so was in that, blood that's that how that, to mean? that's how the blogger was murdered there was, oh, okay. Yeah. I think I missed that line. Yeah, like they bl- like bludgeoned him with the. I think um, so. Or award. did stuff gross stuff with it? Yeah. Huh. Um, you know, Lo ends up also attending obviously the big fashion show party, so he kind of sees everything that goes down. Also, considering he's been keeping a close eye on his daughter, to let his daughter sit like over with, um, whatever that kid's name is, uh, Lachlan, like away from, like where he can't even pay attention to her. It's just like another example of being a poor a parent. Um, we do have some awesome scenes with Liz Taylor in, oh, yeah. in this episode, who is like the new Francis Conroy from Coven, basically. I was, I was thinking that, yeah. 
the lines they're giving her at least um when she says she's teaching them vogue and then she had the line like skinny jeans are out ponchos are forever make a note of it that just seems to naomi campbell she says it to naomi campbell it's so badass that was hilarious um so yes and 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 also and she acts as the bartender which is pretty cool yeah and he's she's also the bartender which is pretty badass too um, and here Sally also makes an appearance here where she tries to get into the party and she's like bawling and crying because they won't let her in um, clearly she has like some weird loneliness outcast issues which we could have already kind of gleaned from you know past conversations uh, so hopefully we'll dive more into that later too but Lachlan ends up taking who also looks like a little hipster douchebag ends up taking uh, Scarlet 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 yeah down to the empty pool downstairs where like little vampire kids are hanging out or like in Sleeping. they're not really in coffins they're like in chambers Gla- basically glass they look like like glass coffins in the in the drained pool <laughs> yeah and so that's when kind of scarlet becomes aware that holden is still alive or not quite alive but that he she recognizes he's something him. he hasn't mm-hmm. aged so you know remembering him is what makes a return you know escape on the bus to return and um, she finds the coffins empty and ends up, you know, somehow finding the secret passage room where Holden is. I don't right. know if maybe, like, there's some kind of attraction driving her there in that place. Yeah, it was open, which was weird. I, I thought about that, too. I was like, that's convenient. <laughs> and in this room and in this experience with Holden is where I kind of got the, the Black Lodge feeling from Twin Peaks a little bit. Because I think even there's, like, a static noise at one point when he's, like, talking. Um, but she she tries to, like see if he remembers anything because obviously she's a little bewildered that he hasn't aged at all. And she shows him the family picture and um, she tries to get him to come home, but he doesn't want to. He's like, I am home. Limited candy and video games. Right. And and brainwashed. He's certainly, yeah, brainwashed. Um, And when they try to take a picture, he tries to bite her neck. That I jumped at that. I was like, that actually freaked me out. That was a good, that was a good uh, scare there. Yeah. And also, um, his photo ended up being blurred, which isn't that like a classic vampire trope that a vampire can't Vampires, I think, photos. yeah, well, they're not supposed to show up. They're supposed to be like, like they're, like they're reflections. You can't see them. So because yeah. it's blurry, it's kind of that possible vampire nod, but not really a vampire. Like, you know, the walkers mm-hmm. are zombies, but no one says zombie. Right. Well, this whole kind of sequence um, ends when, Basically, Sally, for the sake of it, it seems to me, like, for no good reason, scares the shit out of Scarlet by <laughs> their teeth. teeth bust off. That was gross. Oh, my God. That, that was so crazy. That, that was oh. really disgusting. Oh, my yeah. God. And I think we've all had dreams like that where you feel like your teeth are falling out. I was mm-hmm. thinking that. I was like, I could feel it even. I was like, oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. That was that was real nasty. Um, of course, her parents are freaking out by the time she gets home because they think, you know, with considering Lowe's interaction with the Ten Commandments killer, they think that. Um, she was abducted but then she just ends up yelling at them that Holden is still alive and we see some uh, so a couple questions about the relationship between Lowe and and Alex at this point Mm -hmm. first of all it's kind of stupid I thought that um, Alex immediately blames Lowe for the daughter sneaking away because like who's really on watch right now Lowe's supposed to be living at the hotel yeah so that's some that's some um, harbored feelings from when Holden ran away or got kidnapped for sure right for sure and i think the exact line is i can't believe you made me go through this again um 
And nice. also, I mean, just how upset Lowe gets that, like, her even claiming that Holden's still alive. Probably because they just tried, searched so hard to find him. Yeah, even though it sounds like there's no direct evidence he's dead. They just have given up hope after this long. Exactly. But, you know, he's obviously still going on a little... Has some stuff going on in his mind, too, because he has seen Holden or had visions of Holden in the hotel and is not... Think, maybe thinks he's going a little bit crazy. So, of course, he goes back to the hotel and confronts Iris about it. Um... And let's, I want to say that Iris is like ridiculously flirtatious with him, which I think is funny because she was in the last episode too. It's a little bit nasty, some of her lines. But she's the one who kind of relays the whole story of James March. Um, how he was shown by the elites of the East Coast because he had new money, so he came and built this giant hotel with all these shoots and ladders and secret passages. Um, another I'll- good point from the reader email we received is that it's similar to... Um, H.H. H. Holmes of Devil in the White City, who was a serial killer during the World's Fair in the um, 1890s that took place in Chicago. He, like, for the World's Fair, he built this hotel full of secret passages and chambers and, like, murdered all these people. Um, so we're channeling him as a serial killer here a little bit, but uh, he just kills people for, for sport. sport. And I think it was interesting that they did this kind of scene in, in black and white, but I was wondering if maybe part of the reason is because it was so fucking gory and bloody that they felt like if they did it they'd have to like you know so they couldn't do all that gore they couldn't show like the red blood so they had to do it in black and white because so many people died also i i, I I'll, I'll say this here like dude I, they're already we're only in episode two and they are no pun intended overkilling the um sexual assault violence the sexual violence i'm already like at the brim, like I've had enough of that for now. <laughs> like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's getting a little to be a little bit too much, and I feel like they think they're being cool or edgy or like, oh, this is so crazy and dark, which I understand wanting to do that, but this much sexual violence already is just uh, overkill. Yeah, yeah, it seems like, uh, and even like with um, the Countess and like how they always end up killing people while having sex, while sex, and yeah. making you know. The drinking of blood so sexual and everything. They're like mm-hmm. intertwining it so They're much. having sex on top of the dead bodies. Ugh, yeah, that's, it is kind of disturbing. And then when uh, March like is killing that woman on the table while he's in having her. Having sex there. Yeah. Um, that's pretty fucked up. Um, we learned a few different things, obviously, about March. He's clearly just a sociopath. Like he's breaking that woman alive into the wall and like the... Kind of, you know, just hitting people in the back of the head with hammers. Um, we never see his wife. I was going to ask you this. Who is it? Potentially be. Um, do you think his wife is his wife the Countess? Is it someone we know? What do you think? I mean, the hair that we see of the wife is um, platinum blonde, exactly like the Countess. So right. I assume it's her. I think we're, it's right. implied that it is her without the reveal yeah. being complete yet. Right. And so, because, yeah, I mean, I think it's especially, it was purposeful. It didn't reveal her. Because that's going to be a bigger reveal later on, I guess. Um, also, it, it, the laundress, Mrs. Miss Evers, uh, clearly like was in love with March or, or something like that, or just um, super loyal, or uh, yeah, I don't know. But I, I will mean, s- she is she's my kind of crazy. I love her character. She's hilarious. I'm so much. I'm so glad they gave her more to do. Oh, and then she like had to pick the which weapon she wanted to die with, and, stuff and was like excited that. about it. That's awesome. <sighs> That was nuts, yeah. Um, and then the last thing I was going to say about this scene is the whole conversation March has about religion. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of talks about hating religion because his father, sounds like he had an abusive father who was super religious. Um, 
And then he, he, he kind of ends this whole scene by saying he's going to kill God. And then we obviously see him remove all the Bibles from the place and everything. Um, Did, what was the relevance of this whole conversation, did you feel like? I think we, we kind of deal a lot with American Horror Stories' views on religion, which are they don't belong here. You know, we saw it in Freak Show. Um, we saw it in Coven. Uh, we saw it heavily in Asylum. And I don't remember if Murder House or not. I can't remember too much of it. But but it's quite the uh, theme that they love to throw in there, which is uh, very anti-religion. Um, and this is just that incarnation <laughs> uh, in this season, I think, so far. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you, did you take anything else away from it? I think that's definitely true. But on, on even like a plot level, it makes you think that, you know, it, may, it really kind of reinforces the fact that the Hotel Cortez is like a, a godless mm-hmm. place. It's maybe, you know, it's 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 a hell, essentially. What I got the impression kind of, you know, by, th- by the physical act of throwing out the Bibles, it's essentially like throwing God out of the hotel. Like it's completely, you know, religion can't help you here. It's basically the, you know, especially when that guy, you know, after getting praying gets hit in the head and killed. It's like there's no salvation in this place kind of or protection. Um, so obviously crazy kind of gruesome, gory montage here until they kill themselves. Of course, Lo doesn't believe the story from Iris at first, but then she tells him the room 64, the room he's saying, and, and the room that a lot of different things have happened in so far was March's office. Um, and what she considers to be kind of the building's heart. So, which is also the same room that like the drumbat dildo guy raped Gabriel and all this different stuff. So it's kind of like, um, the yeah the centerpiece of where all this like evil the core of this evil is is in that that particular room yep is it just like room two and seven yep um so Lo of course goes back and starts doing some research on on March and that's how he he ends up um somehow that ends up leading him to the Ten Commandments conclusion um and they make the point that like the Ten Commandments killer is continuing March's work even though kind of seems like the Ten Commandments killer might actually be seriously seriously religious, which would be the opposite of what March was. So I wasn't entirely sure why they connected the two. And do, do you think we've already met the uh, Ten Commandments killer, or is it going to be someone else? That's a good question. I think, you know, it'd be a better mystery if it's someone we already met. Yeah. Um, but we're only two, then again, we're only two episodes in. So right, there's I a lot more characters not, to meet. At least I hope it's someone that we do meet and then not realize it's them telling mm-hmm. later. It makes it fun. That makes it much more fun. So, obviously, that's kind of um, a wrap of the episode, but there's a lot of questions I have for you. The primary one being we finally see, of course, Evan Peters as James March. What did you make of that character? So when he first came out and started talking, I was like, who's that? And then I realized it was Evan Peters within a couple seconds. And then then the next 30 seconds to a minute with his wonky accent – um, I was trying to decide if I was if I liked this or not. Initially, my of course me, I'm kind of a negative person. So initially, I was like, "What is he doing? This is ridiculous." But within about a minute, I kind of got used to it. And I was like, "I like this. This is he's a good character. This is I don't think he's Tate, um, which was his best character still, but it's far better than any other ones he's done since then. Um, and he's so sadistic, sadistic and dark that it. it I'm cool with it. I, I'm excited to see where he takes this uh, historical person for Hotel Cortez. I like it. Um, and he's doing a good job. What do you think? 
I like it because, you know, we've said in the past couple seasons that we really wanted a departure from the typical characters he's played recently. We've talked about how much we have enjoyed Tate in particular, and um, how, you know, Tate was such a balance between, like, sympathetic character, but also evil, obviously. And um, then you have his characters in the shows after that, which were all, like, super protagonist, traditional hero kind of characters. Um, and we kind of got bored with that. And so here you kind of get the absolute opposite of that, which is just a totally unsympathetic, crazy-ass killer, sociopath type. And I kind of like that they're using him off type like that this time. Um, so he is able to channel the craziness from Tate, although he's, yeah, you're right, it's not as complex character because he's not sympathetic, but it is, it, I mean, kind of, it is certainly terrifying, especially like when... We you see, see him, him like, like really get worked up, like when he's confronted by the guy. Well, when he gets worked up by the guy who's like praying, you know. Um, he's I like the character a lot, and I like I really like his interactions with um, uh, the laundress too. So I think that that's a, an interesting dynamic going forward that I'm going to enjoy hearkening back to, and I think it'll be really interesting to see his plot connected to the Countess's plot. And I forgot we we did talk about this, but the laundress Miss Evers, she was the woman. Who Evers. was um, the um, oh God? What was Pepper's um, sister. sister? And then she was also um, Kyle's, like Kyle's mom. mom. Thank you. Yeah, her name Mayor is something. I thought, isn't it Mayor Winningham? Winningham. Yeah. She's great. I'm, uh, this yeah. is her best character, I think, by far. This is totally her best character. So <laughs> I'm definitely, yeah, enjoying this. One. I also was thinking when I was watching her, even though I love her. Uh, Frances Conroy could do this role pretty well too, even though it's a maid again. It, she'd be mm-hmm. good at it. I, and I love that she says that she that her key to getting out the bloodstains is love, which yeah. is like such a creepy juxtaposition there. You know how excited she gets over bloodstains is hilarious. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it gives her like a purpose, which is so dark. Um, <clears throat> so we we're kind of we know how we stand on him then and and on her. Uh, it seems like neither one of us is a huge fan of Finn Wittrock's character yet, of Tristan. He's doing a good job with it, but, you know, his character is just... I mean, it's, he, I don't think he's meant to be liked. <laughs> well, he's not, definitely not meant to be liked. But I think also it, it doesn't help that we... Dandy was such a... Good character. Like, well, such like a complex, interesting wacko, and this one just seems like a... Yeah. Kind of a dumb asshole. Yeah. Given we just met him, we'll see. Um, I do have some predictions about his character, but we can get to that, I guess, in a second. Or, or I can do it now. And Let's go ahead with predictions. Okay. I, you know. I think um, I, I do think uh, Donovan and Tristan are going to be part of the downfall of the hotel. I think ultimately that's what, what, what might happen. The, the hotel, I mean, not the hotel itself that might stand, which would be a cool, ominous ending where you know a new group of people come in. But I think it, uh, there will, we will ultimately see the end of a lot of the characters who live there right now. Um, and I think Donovan and Tristan are going to be part of that. Maybe not teaming up together. I think Donovan is is the scorned lover at this point, so he's going to have some uh, vengeance uh, with his mother to uh, maybe uh, take down the hotel, even though he's a ghost or whatever. Um, and then I think Tristan will be part of the downfall just because he's such an idiot. <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, when he asks, "So are we invincible?" and she's like, uh, "Only if you're smart." Mm-hmm. and he's clearly not smart. So I think he's going to slip up and do some stupid stuff, and that will cause create some uh, issues for uh, the hotel and especially for the Countess later on. Yeah. I think it's also interesting to note that um, what we realize is that the vampire creatures aren't dead. 
you know, they're because of their uh, disease or whatever, they can live longer and they can still die. It's just that they won't die from natural causes. And I think it's important, to, you know, because we had thought that um, Donovan had died back when he overdosed with Sally. But it sounds like he was saved by the Countess, but Sally is dead. And so that's why she can't leave the hotel, but he can leave to go to the cemetery or whatever, you know. Right. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I forgot about that. She brought him back I'll, from dead, basically, because he was almost dead or about to be dead. Yeah. Or, also, it reminded me of that douchebag line, the Kendall Jenner line also oh, from yeah. uh, Tristan as well. God, that's funny. <laughs> You know, they're still trying to slip in jokes here and there, but at least it's not as over the top ridiculous or silly as it has been in the past. Yeah. Um, my pro- I wanted to throw in a prediction about Low. He's going to start drinking again. Oh yeah. Um, he's he's on a Jack Torrance path, I think, completely. Where like he's seeing visions, the, like he's trying to be pushed into drinking again. Um, especially if he considers seeing Holden, he's going to. Um, I think he's going to go crazy. I don't know what that. I mean, maybe he like maybe he's the Ten Commandments killer or something like. I don't know. I could see something. Weird I think like that happening. Yeah, I think no matter what, just kind of like Murder House. I think he'll end up being a, a permanent guest of the hotel in some form. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that his daughter's going to die too and kind of join Holden? I kind of hope not, um, just because that girl is so darn cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I I don't know yet. I don't know how much of, of a role she'll play um, going forward. What do you think is going to be the role of um, the new hotel's new the owner? owner um, yeah, uh, uh, Will Drake. Because like we only see him for a touch this episode, just so they had when they had that fashion show there. Um, I I have trouble like seeing him fitting into the overall plot. I do too. I think he's his role eventually will be as as um, Donovan's character fills the fills us all in about is. Uh, uh, the countess is out of money or running out of money. And that's going to be an issue between probably her and uh, Will Drake, the new owner. Uh, that's as far as I see him going right now. And I don't know why he has a son either. It'll be interesting to see why his son, unless his son becomes one of those vampire kids too. I think his son is either going to become a vampire kid or die. And it's going to instigate some kind of conflict where he starts, because he seems so oblivious to right. how, you know, the evil in the hotel right now. Right. Um, now you asked me this question before, but do you think any of the characters we've seen this far are either the Ten Commandments killer or the Drillbit Dildo creature, or is the Drillbit Dildo creature just like a, a creature unto itself? Almost? I think it's a creature unto itself, kind of like the the basement baby thing. Um, mm-hmm. The Infanta, yes, in uh, in Murder mm-hmm. House so far, um, and not like a Rubber Suit Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, which were like that was oh god that was so creepy too. Or Bloody Face. Or yeah. Bloody Face Drillbit. Is I, I don't find Drillbit as intimidating yet, just because he just shows up and like I don't know, like sexually assaults people. Like it's not he doesn't have a creep factor. He has the like like it's just gross, terrible person. But yeah, I think he's just a, a creature at this point. What do you? Th- oh, well, okay, so that's that part. And then um, I I don't know who the Ten Commandments is, k- killer is yet. Um, I really don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you have yeah. any ideas about either of those? I I think you're right on the Drillbit thing that it's just. Like more of an evil creature that like has spelled out of that room. Um, as for Ten Commandments, yeah, I you know I threw out there the idea that maybe Low himself is the Ten Commandments killer going crazy, like he's he's going crazy or something. Um, but that would make sense that he's calling himself and things like that. It would have to all then be in his head, which I think is still possible. But um, I don't think it's like Tristan or Iris or or um, Donovan or any of the 
people we've seen. They've got too much stuff going on, it feels like. Mm -hmm. That being said, I don't know if they've got too much stuff because they live at a hotel and they don't seem to go out too often. (laughs) Yeah, but it also, their characters don't seem that particularly religious or or I I think maybe we haven't been introduced to that person yet as one um, theory, unless somehow March is the Ten Commandments killer. But I don't know that I think that either. I think we haven't met that person yet. Um, I think for me, the creepiest part of this, of the show so far is definitely the hotel itself and, um, the long, you know, um, the way that it channels the past and stuff like that. The brutal murders and like the vampire stuff are not creepy. They're to me, they're just kind of gross. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm not, I haven't been like scared too much, but I've been, I've had that eerie feeling when we're just kind of wandering around the hotel. You know, just like mm-hmm. the Overlook. Um, I also it kind of reminds me of um, uh, Guillermo Guillermo del Toro's uh, um, set pieces, where they're just so elaborate and beautiful and gorgeous that it really is its own character. And I, I do feel that with the hotel, which is kind of funny because they were advertising last uh, yep. night. You know, that Guillermo new Guillermo Crimson movie over and over because obviously the same audience would be attracted to both. Oh, of those. totally, yeah. Um, and the other thing I'm interested to see is more about Sally's background because she clearly has so many Right, we, we'll uh, get there, I bet. I like that maybe they're slowly unfolding her, which is cool, as opposed to just exposition, exposition, exposition. This does seem like sometimes, I like the pacing of this, and I like the way the plots are tied together a little bit more than I have in past seasons. It just seems, a little, I feel like it's a little bit more thought out right now. I mean, we're only at episode two, but I feel like normally when we get to the episode two in past seasons, we've been like, well, this is only episode two, so I don't want to judge too harshly yet. And yeah. we're already at this part where we're like, too much exposition, you know? Yeah. So I feel, I would say that I feel like we're on a better path than we have been potentially in the past. I agree, and I think even though we love her, Jessica Lang not being there helps open things up a bit for uh, for a different type of writing instead of writing to a famous actress. Yeah, I mean, you still have famous actresses, but I think that they're use, utilizing them as more economically their individual characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. in a smarter way. I'd absolutely agree with that. Any other kind of last um, thoughts or comments? No, I'm ready to rate this. Me too. I'm trying to think. Um, I know what I'm going to give it. As soon as it ended, I knew exactly what I was going to give it. But um, also that I'm excited to learn more about Liz Taylor because I love that that character. is awesome. Yeah. Um, Definitely my, so far, Dennis O'Hara remains to be my uh, scene stealer of the the season thus far. Um, That being said, yeah, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and rate this thing. All right. I give it a, what were we doing it with again? I think we did just did stars like hotel stars. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think so. I like that. I give it four out of five, which is what I gave the first episode because I was so excited about the first episode. Even though I think this episode is a little stronger, um, it, it was it was much more uh, coherent, and they didn't introduce like three new monsters already, which American Horror Story tends to do. I think. Can, can, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have vampires, ghosts, and serial killers, and sometimes they overlap. <laughs> But I don't think there's anything else, is there? Other than well, the drill bit dildo guy, but we right, don't really know he might he be a ghost. Yet, yeah. He might be a mm-hmm. serial killer. Who knows? But anyway, mm-hmm. but I and, yeah. and, and we kind of stuck with that and felt much more tighter because of that. Um, that being said, this episode still was too long, and I had I as someone who edits, and as you as someone who edits, I'm sure we have a lot of recommendations that would tighten this up, so we're not going to bed at 12:30 at night <laughs> or 11:30 hey. at night. Um, uh, yeah. 
or, or recording till two in the morning. Yes, <laughs> trying exactly. To get a podcast in. Right. Um, I'm going to give it four two. Last week I gave it a four and a half um, because I and I did really like this episode. But like you said, I think it could have been cut down a lot of ways and was not necessarily as concise as it could have been. The things I'm most excited about are. Um, Love the interaction between March and Miss Evers. Mm-hmm. Um, I like where Lowe's storyline is going, even though I was not a fan of, um, I think he's a terrible parent, so I don't feel a lot of sympathy there, which I think they're trying to make us feel some sympathy for him and Alex. I'm not feeling sympathetic toward either one of them at this point. Um, and as much as I don't like the Tristan character, I like the love triangle there, and I'm interested to see where that leads. So I think there's a lot of potential here. And I, I mean, it's I, Ryan Murphy, right? There's no, there's no way that um, Tristan and Donovan aren't going to get it on at some point. Oh, there's, there's a three way coming for <laughs> sure, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I actually missed the um, preview. I did too. My recording cut off. Yeah. So I guess it'll just be a surprise for us. All I know is Angela Bassett shows up next episode. Uh, well, that'll that hopefully helps. make things more awesome without yes. adding like. A character that makes right. things too complicated. And to review, let's do. You remember what her character is going to be? I don't. She plays Ramona Royale, an actress and former lover of the Countess, who's out for revenge. So the, our love triangle might become a love. Awesome. Square. <laughs> Square. Yeah. Awesome. I wonder if she'll team up with um, Donovan then. Maybe. Maybe they'll try to make her jealous by or Iris getting together. Yeah. Ew. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> You know what I was thinking would be a fun game, too? And maybe we should do this another time or just write this out. But if we, since we always joke about, like, how are people still, like, checking into this hotel? What are they even thinking? Does no one write Yelp reviews for it? Like, we should, like, write Yelp reviews for 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 Hotel hotel. Cortez. I think that would be hilarious. (laughs) That would be fun. Let's uh, let's write a fake Yelp review before next week. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Okay. And also, people should send theirs in to us. I think that would be great. Yeah, send them in or post them on Facebook. Your yeah. fake, your fake Yelp reviews. Your fake Yelp for review. Yeah. Oh my God, I've got so many good ideas. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay. Well, with that being said, um, as always, uh, keep sending your questions and comments to this American Horror Story at gmail.com and check us out on Facebook at facebook.com/slash this American Horror Story. Um, Chris, where can people continue to hear from you? At Chris Husted, Chris with a K. That's for Twitter, Instagram, and uh, the Chris Husted for um, Snapchat. What about you, Tyler? I'm at TJ Moss 11, and uh, you can find me on just about everything. All I right, tried. folks. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Bye, everyone. Happy Hanukkah.